Merry Christmas to all of you. And I have a Christmas present for you. It's called the genealogy from the book of Matthew. <laughs> all 17 verses of complicated names and all these people. And so we're just going to read one of them this morning. Reading from Matthew 1, verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And Father, as we give thanks today and rejoice in remembering the birth of your son, his coming among us, we also remember our great desire for his return. And God, we ask that as we wait, that your light will shine, that you will lead us in your truth, that you will make us to know your ways, that you'll teach us your paths. And so do so even today as we come. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Slightly over a decade ago, the Colson family was in a bit of a quagmire. Melissa and I were attempting to figure out whether we were going to give a gaming system to our sons. At that point, the gaming system of choice that was popular and in demand was the Wii. There was this thing called the Wii Sports Resort. And for my sons at that point, uh, they were in the single digits in, in age. You would have thought this was eschatological glory. This, this was just pure excitement. And when they would get to go to, have opportunity to go to a friend's house and play, it was so exciting. And this is what they really wanted. And we engaged in some deceit and told them that it was not going to happen. And uh, we held that line. And of course, we were having serious discussions about when we were going to introduce video game technology because once you go there, you know what? You, there is no going back. And so we, we discussed it and we decided and we made the commitment. And uh, then through the course of that Christmas morning, there was one present that was kind of hidden somewhat and it was, it was around, but they didn't open it. And then finally, they were allowed to open it. And there was this explosion of joy that we still talk about. There was a high-pitched scream. There was a hugging of the box. Then one child started crying because they thought something was wrong because the other two were so excited. And so it's still discussed today as an example of joy and exuberance. And it is that joy and exuberance that really only a child or maybe culturally what we think only a child, uh, can demonstrate. And there's something here for us, though, when we think about all of Christianity, what's being revealed, the good news that's in front of us. It's easy for us to simply grow comfortable with it. It's easy for us to underestimate it. But it's an important question for us to answer, is what does it take for us to sustain that type of joy and exuberance in our own faith and receiving the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that God has done for us and all that God will do for us. And it's important as we come to the genealogy, especially in this final verse of it, in verse 17, is to see two things here that will sustain that type of joy. 
that will have you squealing with delight and hugging boxes with your legs. Two things going on here. The first is that we're going to see it's God's commitment that sustains that joy and also God's intention. And so in verse 17, let's first consider God's commitment. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. There's an intentional structure, obviously, given to this genealogy, 14, 14, and 14. This is something like a trellis around which the family tree here is growing and has been constructed. But there's also significant names, Abraham, David, and then we're arriving at the Christ. And for those familiar with the structure of the Bible, this is a structure that is somewhat familiar, perhaps, because it's telling the story of God's promises, that is, the covenants that God made with his people. And what's being indicated to us is that Jesus is bringing all of that great story to fulfillment. But friends, we've seen that through all of the different 14s, there was meandering and wandering, and we even read about the deportation to Babylon, the most horrific moment in the history of the Old Testament church, where the church was so lost in its idolatry, lost its own way. And so what we see here, though, is something of God's statement that despite all of our unfaithfulness, despite all of our wanderings, that he doesn't forsake that promise that he made. Because you remember the promise that he speaks to Abraham in Genesis 12. He promises that he would give Abraham land and that he would give him blessing and that he would give him descendants. That his family would be a blessing to all the nations of the earth and that God was going to do that. And then in Genesis 15, God swears by his own life that he will make good on what he said. And there's a unilateral nature to this, that God is determined and God is committed. And friends, if we want true Christmas joy, if we want joy that permeates all of our lives, it has to be built on solid foundations. It can't be built on ephemeral things. That ultimately this joy can only be sustained by understanding that God is ultimately and firmly and securely committed to accomplishing all of his purposes. That every promise that he's ever spoken, he brings to fulfillment. He's done so in sending Jesus Christ and he will do so in sending him once again. And this is the foundation of joy, God's commitment to fulfilling his promises. And the second is just simply God's intention. These three sets of 14 are intriguing. They are, of course, built on multiples of seven, which for the Jewish mind is very intentional. And so we can think of this as three sets of 14 or perhaps better, six sets of seven. Of course, this is how many, uh, many in the first century thought, Matthew being a Jewish thinker himself, would have shared that perspective of his entire life being shaped by multiples of seven, the weekly calendar, or you could look at the annual cycles, or you could look at the, the way the macro calendar was considered in the years of the seventh year being the sabbatical year, or the 49th year being the year of Jubilee. And so the seventh is, of course, extremely important 
It's the day of rest and freedom and wholeness and joy. And you see that these six sets of seven are brought to a close with this figure who the whole genealogy has been about, Jesus Christ. And so what Matthew is indicating here is that Jesus is the one who is now opening up this great final age. That the sixth day is now closed and the seventh day of rest, the day of joy and gladness has arrived in him. This great age of the Messiah, of the one who comes to bring rest to the nations, has arrived. And perhaps the most important question we can ask this morning is the very simple one, is how do we participate in that rest? If he indeed has brought it, if all the 14s are summed up, if all the sad history of the Old Testament has come now to a climax, if Jesus has come, if he does crush and break the power of sin, if he tramples it down and puts it underfoot, if he does that through death and resurrection, How do we now enter into that rest? How do we enter that rest? We find this in Matthew 11, where Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And this is the simplicity of it. We enter to the rest that Jesus has promised simply by coming to him. We come to him, entrusting ourselves to him, believing in him, believing and trusting that his words are good and true and that he makes good on every one of his promises, that he stands in our place, that he intercedes on our behalf. And friends, this is God's intention. This is what he wants for us, is to enter into that kind of rest, It's the rest of our conscience from guilt and shame. It's the rest from the burdens of an anxious world. It's the rest from the uncertainties of the future. Because we know this God's intention is to remake the world and to renew it and to restore it. And he does it through his son, Jesus. He's committed to that. And he's committed to you. And friends, that's solid ground on which to stand solid ground on which we can give thanks, and it is the ground of this day's rejoicing, all that our God has done for us in sending Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we do rejoice and we give thanks. You have revealed your righteousness in the sight of the nations. You've made your Son known. He has come to us, and he has come for us, and we give thanks. This is your great commitment and your great intention to bring Sabbath rest to all of creation. And we long for that. God, we ask that you would sustain our joy and our faith, that you renew us even this day, this day of giving and receiving. May we remember your great gift to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.